Greetings, family. Welcome to today's podcast, a daily reflection, 24-hour little book, and some of Proverbs, uh, King Solomon, which I was thinking King Solomon has two lives, like we have two lives. Fernando Alcoholic, we have the life before we came to an AAA, <laughs> and our second life, our recovery life. Solomon had it the other way around. His AA life when he or good life and then when he got too many women he uh, he started drinking too much wine and philosophizing uh, maybe uh, too much wisdom and not enough fun can add to uh, the problem also but whatever it is we're only here to work on myself work on my recovery and I try to figure out somebody else but I just appreciate all the wisdom in the Proverbs, you know, that they fixed me up. But right now, we're going to be uh, reading Daily Reflections. So let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Freedom from King Alcohol, April the 9th. Let us consider... Let us not suppose, even for an instance, that we are not under constraint. Our former tyrant, King Alcohol, always stands ready again to clutch us to him. Therefore, freedom from alcohol is the great must that, that has to be achieved, else we go mad or die. As Bill sees at page 134. When drinking, I lived in a spiritual, emotional, and sometimes physical confinement. I had constructed my prison with bars of self-will and self-indulgence from which I could not escape. Occasional dry spells that seemed to promise freedom would turn out to be little more than hopes of a reprieve. True escape required a willingness to follow whatever right actions were needed to turn the lock. With the willingness and action, both the lock and the bars themselves opened for me. Continual willingness and action kept me free in a kind of extended daily probation that needed never end. Amen. Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank God that after thanking God for all the problems I was ex receiving, I got a chance to have a daily reprieve. And alcohol became... A thing in the past for me. I'll be celebrating uh, on August the 28th, 28 years. I have two sponsees this week. They both will be celebrating one year. They're about a week, maybe 10 days apart. That is a wonderful, incredible, uh, dramatic accomplishment. You know, not saving all the shame, achieving. Uh, not achieving anything in life but discouragement. Now, we eat words like M&Ms and they come true. The promises come true. The ability to run and enjoy life comes true. Here is uh, the 24-hour little book for April the 9th. AA Thought for the Day. Third, alcoholics recover their proper relationship with other people. They think less about themselves and more about others. They try to help other alcoholics. They make new friends so that they're no longer lonely. They try to live a life of service instead of selfishness.
All their relationships with other people are improved. They solve their personality problems by recovering their personal integrity. Their faith in a higher power and their way of fellowship and service to others is my drinking problem solved as long as my personality problem is solved. Meditation for the day. All that depresses you, all that you fear is really powerless to harm you. These things are but phantoms, so arise from earth's bonds, from depression, distrust, fear, and all that hinders your new life. Arise to beauty, joy, peace, and work inspired by love. Arise from death to life. You do not even need to fear death. All past sins are forgiven if you live and love and work with God. Let nothing hinder your new life. Seek to know more and more of that new way of living. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may let God live in me as I work for Him. I pray that I may go out into the sunlight and work with God. Amen. And that's what it is. We're right here in the sunlight right now, working with God. Let me go ahead and read a couple of chapters on Proverbs. How about that? I'm going to read Proverbs 8 from the Passion Translation and Proverbs 9. And just enjoy really, really readings. Okay, Proverbs, Proverbs 8. I'll have to bring it up here. Here we go. Passion Translation says, Wisdom Calling. Can't you hear the voice of wisdom? From the top of the mountains of influence, she speaks into the gateways of the glorious city. At the place where pathways merge, at the entrance of every portal, there she stands ready to impart understanding, shouting out loud to all who enter, preaching her sermon to those who will listen. I'm calling to you, sons of Adam, yes, and to you, daughters as well. Listen to me, and you will be prudent and wise, for even the foolish and feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change their inner being. The meaning of my words will release within you revelation for you to reign in life. My, relics will, my lyrics will empower you to live by what is right. For everything I say is unquestionably true, and I refuse to endure the lies of lawlessness. My words will never lead you astray. All the declarations of my mouth can be trusted. They contain no twisted logic or perversion of the truth. All my words are clear and straightforward to everyone who possesses spiritual understanding. If you have an open mind, you will receive revelation knowledge. My wise correction is more valuable than silver or gold. The finest gold is nothing compared to the revelation knowledge I can impart. Wisdom is so priceless that it exceeds the value of any jewel. Nothing you could wish for can equal her, for I am wisdom, and I am shrewd and intelligent. I have at my disposal living understanding to devise a plan for your life. Wisdom pours into you when you begin to hate every form of evil in your life, for that's what worship and fearing God is all about. Then you will discover that your pompous pride and perverse speech 
are the very ways of wickedness that I hate. You will find true success when you find me, for I have insight into wise plans that are designed just for you. I hold in my hands living, understanding, courage, and strength. I empower kings to reign and rulers to make laws that are just. I empower princes to rise and take dominion and generous ones to govern the earth. I will show my love to those who passionately love me, for they will search and search continually until they find me. Unending wealth and glory come to those who discover where I dwell. The riches of righteousness and a long satisfying life will be given to them. What I impart has greater worth than gold and treasure, and the increase I bring benefits more than a windfall of income. I lead you in the way of righteousness to discover the path of true justice. Those who love me gain great wealth and a glorious inheritance, and I will fill their lives with treasures. In the beginning I was there, for God possesses me even before he created the universe. From eternity past I was set in place. Before the world began I was anointed from the beginning. Before the ocean's depths were poured out and before... There was any glorious fountains overflowing with water. I was there dancing, even before one mountain had been sculptured or one hill raised. I was already there dancing when he created the earth, the fields, even the great atom of dust. I was already there. When he hung the tapestry of his heavens and stretched out the horizons of the earth, when the clouds and skies were set in place and the subterranean mountains began to flow strongly, I was already there. When he set in place the pillars of the earth and spoke the decrees of the seas, commanding the way so that they wouldn't overstep their boundaries, I was there, close to the Creator's site as his master artist. Daily he was filled with the light in me as I playfully rejoiced before him. I laughed and played, so happy with what he had made, while finding my delight in the children of men. So listen, my sons and daughters, to everything I tell you, for nothing will bring you more joy than following my ways. Listen to my counsel, for my instruction will enlighten you. You'll be wise not to ignore it if you wait at wisdom's door. Longing to hear a word for every day, joy will break forth within you as you listen for what I all say. For the fountain of life pours into you every time that you find me, and this is the secret of growing in delight and the favor of the Lord. But those who stumble and miss me will be sorry they did, for ignoring what I have to say will bring harm to your own soul. Those who hate me are simply flirting with death okay that was uh now proverbs 9 wisdom has built herself a palace upon seven pillars to keep it secure she has made ready a banquet feast and the sacrifice has been killed she has mingled her wine and the tables all set she has sent out her maidens crying out from the high place Inviting everyone to come and eat until they're full. Whoever wants to know me and receive my wisdom, come and dine at my table and drink of my wine. 
Lay aside your simple thoughts and leave your past behind. Agree with my ways, live in my truth, and you will find righteousness. If you try to correct an arrogant cynic, expect an angry, angry insult in return. And if you try to confront an evil man, don't be surprised if all you get is a slap in the face. So don't even bother to correct a mocker, for he'll only hate you for it. But go ahead and correct the wiser. They'll love you even more. Teach a wise man what is right, and he'll grow even wiser. Instruct the seekers of God, and they'll learn even more. The starting point for accounting for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with all of you worship Yahweh, worship God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has living understanding. Wisdom will extend your life, making every year more fruitful than the one before. So it is to your advantage to be wise. But to ignore the counsel of wisdom is to invite trouble into your life. There is a spirit named Foolish who is boisterous and brash. She's seductive and restless, and there she sits at the gateway to the high places on her throne, throne overlooking the city. She preaches to all who walk by her who are clueless as to what is happening. Come home with me, she invites those who are easily astray, saying, Illicit sex is the best sex of all. Our secret affairs will be sweeter than all the others. Little do they know when they answer her call that she dwells among the spirits of the dead, and all her guests soon become citizens of hell. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Enjoy your sobriety. Give thanks to God for the wisdom he has imparted in us. Bye now. to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, your secretary. Let's see what God entails for us. Let's see where he'll take us to, and uh, as opposed to meditation books. Let's go ahead and pray and start out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome again. Did I ever tell you the time I went to Vietnam for uh, to smuggle Bibles in there? I did a little bit of, uh, when I was a youngster kid, bring some uh, uh, wacky tobacco from the border, from Mexico over here. Uh, I had a girlfriend that loved smoke, and uh, I, I, I was sneaking in. So when I was reformed, and I had gone to AA 12-step program, 
And then I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. My whole life changed. I started attending a, a school, a Bible class, uh, and they had a missionary applications up there. Who wants to be a missionary? They were going to England, South America. And this one was um, Vietnam. And it said, smuggle Bibles into Vietnam. And, I, and I'm thinking, hey, I can do that. I smuggled people and uh, I smuggled uh, marijuana. Why shouldn't I smuggle Bibles for God, for God's glory? So I was going to sign in and then I read it said $2,500 to, to be a missionary in Vietnam for two weeks. And um, I said, okay. No, but I didn't say that. I, the pastor... He said, this is a faith thing, Fernando. Just sign in the dotted line, and God will do the rest. And sure enough, about $3,500 came in uh, from different sources, from uh, people in the church investing in the missionaries and other people. And they just switched their 10%. And my family, a lot of my nephews and mom and dad, well, my dad wasn't here. But they contributed and they sent me off to Vietnam. <laughs> and we successfully got 84 big textbooks in Hanoi. Uh, I did run across a little, a little problem with the uh, jeeps and the guns and they were talking to me, yelling at me. But I couldn't, I didn't pay attention. I just kept walking. I go, I don't understand Chino. I found it to be a beautiful country, very tropical, very kind people. There's two kinds of people. There's people that are enlightened with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then there's people that are not, and you can tell on their smiles. You know, I would say, Tim, Tim is heart, Jesu is Jesus. I would point to my heart and tap on my heart and say, Tim, Jesu, and then point up to heaven, and they would either say yes with a beautiful smile, or they would say no. I was going up and down the beach there in China Beach, they call it, in Hanoi by Marble Mountain. Uh, actually, it was Da Nang in that area. Um, and got to know the, the people. So there are a lot of people that are born again in that area. So, I'm going to read a story from a missionary in Vietnam from a book called Answers to Praise by Marilyn Carruthers. This is a reports of people praising and thanking God for their problems and getting out of the way. We are the problem. There's a mighty God that created the earth and He can change things as He pleases and all according to our attitude, to how we look at situations. You know, the author of this book, in another book, he says that often it's our attitudes that hinders a situation. As soon as we start thanking God, either, you know, he will help us to see the situation differently, which, in other words, gives us peace, harmony, and joy as we go along for kind of like a reward for thanking him for a problem, something that's bugging you. And the other thing is uh, he, he'll either solve it or change the person or the thing. I mean, we, we're serving a very mighty, 
powerful, powerful God that we, we're like an ant. We can't even conceive how much strength and power and mercy and kindness he's, he's uh, helping us with. Amen. Okay, here goes the story. It says, from a missionary in Vietnam. While we flew to Saigon on missionary business, we left our son and not trang in care of devoted friends. He went with her and other friends to a chapel Sunday evening. Upon leaving the military chapel, they were driving home when an army truck driven by a drunken GI swore into their lane. <clears throat> Our son was killed instantly. What a shock. What a tragedy. Any normal mother would be crushed. I too would have been had had I not learned the blessed secret of praising God. We have realized that our God controls every detail of our lives and does all things well. Our son's death is bringing us into deeper, richer fellowship with himself and with all other dear ones around us. Our son's, at our son's funeral, our missionary family, other missionaries, servicemen, Montag Nard, teachers, Vietnam helpers, and local Vietnamese believers stood in sadness, yet acknowledged the truth ablazing over the simple casket. He lives. After the army charged the young soldier with manslaughter, the chaplain at our request brought him to see us. He entered our home a broken, sobbing man. We shared with him our confidence that our son's death was God's plan for us. We gave him a New Testament and a copy of the most logical book we could think of, Prison of Praise. By the time he left our home, he marveled that God was giving him new strength to face all of us excuse me, and the future. He acknowledged that he no longer needed to feel desolated since he had been brought to this awful situation to meet God. He had come to say, I'm sorry, but he departed saying thank you. After three months of waiting for his trial, the soldier was released and allowed to go home. We saw his birth and growth in Christ during those months, so it all was a great miracle to us. We have had letters from him since return, he returns his return home, and he has continued to walk with Christ. I want you to know how Prisoner Praise has been used in the lives of our Waycliffe missions here in Vietnam. I have just read Power and Praise that a soldier gave to us. I have already ordered several copies from missionaries here, and I want to study it again. We saw this new dimension after our son's death, and we want to praise the Lord for everything. And these are the comments from the author. He writes back, I shed a tears of joy as I read his mother's account of the peace God had given her. God must have rejoiced as he saw her willingness to sacrifice her own son for the salvation of one of God's children. So frequently parents think only of their own grief and shut off the love of Christ that could have saved someone else. This mother had every natural reason to despite a drunken soldier. But she loved him for whom Jesus died, and God used her love to continue Christ's work here on earth. This brings the kingdom of God one step closer for all of us. And the scripture is Romans 8, 37 and 39. In all these things we are more than conquerors, through him that loves us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor 
other any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 37 and 39. Amen. What a story. We were created by love. And when there's no love in the situation, we thank and praise God. And then love comes in and heals. And all start looking towards the love of God all over again. Beautiful, wonderful story. Thank you so much for coming in today's uh, quick announcement that God is almighty. You know, it's one of the hardest things to do is to thank God when a situation like that happens. And I realize that I don't know everything. That my judgment could be uh, off. And I'm, you know, in the area of receiving mercy and grace from God and, and be thankful. So God bless any one of you that have lost a loved one to a drunken one. We are doing the best work we can through the 12-step program to advising people about driving and drinking when they come here. They, uh, we give them uh, the business, you know, the, and give them a spiritual fix that they, they wouldn't uh, be aware of their surroundings and be part of the absent program. Anyway, I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. So let's go ahead and close with the uh, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. My name is Fernando. I am an alcoholic, and we're, we have a Zoom class here. We're going to be opening with the serenity prayer and do a little meditation and get our day started. Uh, thank God by Friday. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> okay, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, our daily reflections for today say, it says an inside look. It's, it says we want to find exactly how, when, and where our natural desires have warped us. We wish to look squarely at the unhappiness this has caused others and ourselves. By discovering where our emotional deformities are, we can move toward their correction. 12 says in 12 Traditions, page 43. Uh, well, for me, I'm Fernando Alcoholic. I thank God for my deformities, my emotional deformities. Uh, I thank squarely at the unhappiness that happened because it kicked me upstairs to go to, a, to really finally pay attention at AA. Uh, shame and what do you and uh, and falling from grace and all these things that that come along with uh, arrogance and drinking and and thinking and all that uh, had prepared me for uh, the twelve step program. I received it enthusiastically. It took a while at first. I didn't trust anybody, but. Hope was restored. Fate was restored. 
And then believing in the process. If I came to meetings, I would fill up with hope and faith. And, and then, uh, but trust took a long time. Trust to come back. Trust in myself. Trust in God. I don't know if I learned distrust as a kid because, and then I, I tried to get, you know, thank God that my kids, I didn't put that fear in my kids that I had of the future, you know, drinking and, um, so thank God, all turned out okay, so far, so good. <laughs> um, it says right here, today I am no longer a slave to alcohol or other drugs or emotional appeal. Yet in so many ways, enslavement still threatens myself, my desires, even my dreams. Yet without dreams, I cannot exist. Without dreams, there's nothing to keep me moving forward. I must look inside myself to free myself. I must call upon God's power to face the person I feared the most, the true me, the person God created me to be. Unless I can't or until I do, I will always be running and never be truly free. I ask God daily to show me such a freedom. Amen. Uh, do I have any... Uh, uh, have, you be, have you been able to thank God for your past just the way it is? Have you been able to punch it right in the nose if it keeps bothering you? Rick? What's that? Have you ever thanked God for your past, for your drinking past? Have you come to turn... Thank you, but I'm sure he's aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. There's been many nights I've prayed for help, asking God to step in, and then, you know, I'm in jail. Well, well, God stepped in. Amen. That's amazing when God steps in and, and helps us in our, in our program and our recovery and he walks us through. He sends us people to walk along with us when we're going to go into big changes, different changes. Um, Debbie? Can you, can you rephrase the question for me so I can... I'm not all here. I'm yeah, I'm not all there either. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to... Uh, a question with a question. I, I know what you're doing. No. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> well, I'd li like to go, move it a little forward into, uh, it says right here, my, myself, my desires, even my dreams. Yet without a dream, I cannot exist. Without dreams, there's nothing to keep me moving forward. It is so important that we see ourselves in a vision in the future, happy, joyous, and free, and lock into that. Because, you know, God has given us the imagination and Unfortunately, uh, you know, problems uh, punch our imagination away. So what are you doing for your vision and your dreams today? Uh, some guy says in a book written in 1939, Think and Grow Rich, he said to spend 30 minutes a day visualizing where you're, what you're supposed to be doing, where you're going or something. Uh, 30 minutes a day is a long, long time. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, I got something. Uh, I feel, I feel like I have been, I'm being honest. Uh, I feel like I have been in the, in the valley for like three years now mm. in regards to sicknesses that, that 
I feel I'm like barely holding on. And and the thing is, is as long as I keep trying to hold on, because someday it's going to get better. I don't know when. That's going to be up to God. I'm going to keep moving, you know, taking one step. So he takes 10. Uh, I don't know if this, on the 10th of this weekend is that fourth, fourth step workshop in Rancho, but it's on, on Zoom. So if you want that information, I'll, uh, I could send you the flyer. I'm, I'm going to try to go to that. Because that's that's a Sunday. And uh, can, do you have a flyer with us? You can give us those numbers right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember being in the in that valley you're talking about, Dev. I uh, I had a dream that I was on top of a mountain and I was going into the valley, and then I was gonna have to come up the next side of that. And boy, what a what a what a testing and crucial thing. I don't know why God showed me that dream, but I did go into a lot of testing and uh, all this stuff about me thanking God for your problems and and all that stuff got shoved in my face in the testing. And it yes. was, it was like, you know, it's not working, God. You know, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for difficulties. Um, yes, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying, trying. It just, uh, yeah. I, and then I think of David, what, 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 in Psalms, how he talked about. He was, you know, he was here, he was there, his motions is. So it's like, kind of no different. I, I'm not alone. And God is with me, holding my hand through it. And I find solace in that at times. Last night, I slept all night listening to Steve Furtrick. Furtrick, have you ever heard of him? How do you spell the last name? Uh, F-U-R-T-I-C-K. He's very, uh, he's a young pastor. Furtick. He's very powerful. F-U-R-T, like a tick, like a, like a bug? Yeah, F fur and then tick. Oh, uh, no wonder, no wonder he's on fire. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I know I, that's the only way I can remember to say his name. Uh, and he has it set up on YouTube where you can go to the one where there's just one after another after another. And he's very powerful with his with his sharing. But I'll, I'll let me send that to you before I forget. Uh, I go ahead and give us the, the the number of the Zoom. And is there a yeah. password? Um. I'm not sure, but if once I send you this little, um, wait a minute, think. Uh, once I send you this flyer, um, okay, I just sent it. Um, it should say on it all the information if it happened to not show because sometimes the flyers don't show the whole thing just just text me and i'll okay I'll i certainly will thank but you so much it. did you get it oh no i'm using the phone right now and let me go oh. see oh i understand what you're doing yes i got it i can see it right here and the numbers are zoom class in person workshop it's it's a Four through ten, no, excuse me, on Sunday, on February the 10th, at 2 p.m., Fourth Step Workshop, Big Book Format. It's really good. 
is very good. The meeting, uh, uh, uh-huh. Uh, you could go in person or you could go on Zoom. Yes, the, uh, let me give you the address. This is in uh, Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, it's at 10980 Arrow Route, number 107. Arrow. Yes. Valley Alano Club, the Alano Club. I've been there, number 107. Uh, the ID on Zoom is uh, 8315-1785-109. The passcode is step four. Again, it's 8315-1785-109. And the password is step four, small caps. So at uh, 2 p.m. on Sunday. Yes. Very the 10th. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that's going to be really cool, and it's a convenient, intelligent time where mostly everybody's free. You know, you're you. So yes, it's going to work out good. Um, you know, I wanted to say a couple of things about uh, visionary. Uh, to to vision yourself, uh, you can do it. You you know your your body will respond. Our cells are all intelligently. A little city and we give them a vision of where are we gonna go us uh, I had a I had a pain in my head lasted for about a year so I had to put pictures in my phone and around the house when I was youthful and free and the pain went away you know and I didn't want I didn't want to go check it they're gonna go get your head checked <laughs> but uh, is it just I started realizing that I was focusing on too many around me. I wasn't focusing enough in the future, in in the visionary, visionary in the future. And usually, when God speaks to us, He shows us uh, pictures in the future, uh, visions. It says, "Without a vision, the people will perish." The Word of God. Well, Imagination is so crucial. We imagine ourselves achieving something or going places or being somewhere or being at the beach. Anyway, I'm I'm a dreamer, so I hope it's not too far-fetched. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming in here. We're going to let you go early because it is Friday. It's, thank God it's Friday. I just have a couple of quotes right here. It says, trash can guy is outside. I was... Uh, the, uh, the dumpster. I was in Sacramento and I was going to a McDonald's six in the morning and this guy in a wheelchair was trying to get my attention. He was at the, uh, at the drive-thru getting money with a little sign and he was on a wheelchair and I parked in there. The McDonald's was open. I was going to walk in and I can see him on the side of my eye with his wheelchair trying to come towards me, probably asked me for a couple of dollars and I was trying to get inside the restaurant right away and then I stopped and I waited for him. And he says, you got a couple of dollars? I said, sure, come on. I grabbed his wheelchair and I took him inside and he didn't want to go inside. I forced him in there. And I said, what do you want? And we sat down and he, uh, I go, tell me your story. And he, and he was a black man living in dumpsters. I said, well, how do you get inside the dumpster? You got one, one foot cut off and the other one has been, has been hurt too. He goes, he goes, well, I, I just hooked the good leg on the dumpster and I throw myself in there. And I, I said, and he says, I said, well, how do you know 
if there's any cardboard or glass or metal down there, he goes, I just have to take a chance. Wow. And then he said, and then I, I, I picked him, I took him to the laundromat after a couple of weeks. We started visiting him and having the time with him. And uh, the laundromat, he was taking a shower inside the bathroom, and I was doing his laundry. And uh, and I tell the little ladies, oh, someone's in there. He'll come out in a minute, you know. Go to the gas station. <laughs> but uh, the guy could could be in, he had access to be inside of a retirement center, but he didn't like the, the all the rules and regulations. He goes, he couldn't even go out for a walk and go get some Kentucky uh, chicken. They had you locked in there. He goes, I like my freedom. And uh, yeah. isn't that amazing? Anyway, I just wanted to say, Victor Borg said, he was happily married. He was happily married, but his wife wasn't, Victor Borg. Uh, he goes, I, I wish to thank my parents for making it all possible, and I wish to thank my children for making it necessary, Victor Borg. And then Victor Borg, I'll say this last quote by Victor Borg. He said, Santa Claus had the right idea. Visiting people only once a year, Victor Borg. Hey guys, well, thank you very much for coming on today. I hope you have a great day. Yes. Give them heaven and Rick and Debbie. Yes. Any any parting words for today's? Enjoy your day. Be blessed, you guys. All right, let's get out there and give them heaven. It's already late. Uh, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming on. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's showtime. Spiritual Awakenings from Grapevine, 2009, June. Isolated in a small Alaskan town, a woman gets out of self and into action. Something obviously needed to be done in my 18 month of recovery. I pray for God to take my will and my life as he had done early in my sobriety, but my alcoholism was creeping back into my life, demanding to reassert a central place as my physical and physical health return, I felt my initial elation and freedom slowly turning to a vague dissatisfaction, a mounting sense of not enough. Enough what? I asked myself, stymed. My feelings were hurt from frequent small things began to increasingly irritate me, and the quiet moments I used to relish were becoming, dare I say it, boring. The spiritual intoxication I have felt while placing my entire faith and taking the step was waning, wanting. I realized that as the terror of facing myself and my wrongs subsided and as my amends were made and accepted, so had my urgency to leave things in God's hands. My alcoholism was now counseling me to whip my finances into further shape to make up for lost time or to finish the book that my drinking had abruptly halted for five years ago or better yet to cling to my partner and f feed off his 20 years of recovery 
I tried to resist by willpower and praying for the strength to thwart my ancient compulsion, petitioning God for a balance in my life, but I was clearly falling, fearfully that I was succumb entirely to my old demons. I continued to read the big book with my sponsor. One night while we were reading the family afterwards, I felt the solution might be my lie there. I marked with a star certain lines that jumped out of me. Back home, my partner asked me what I'd gone, what I'd done, what I'd gotten out of reading. I turned to the star paragraphs and told him, hastily, that after months of living in our apartment and rarely going out, I was getting restless. I knew that diving into meaningless activity would only feed my old obsession. I told him I'd like to allow God to replace my spiritual make-believe world with one which I, w I work with a great sense of purpose. I had already commenced work with other alcoholics and much more of God had been revealed, increasing my understanding of Him. But the small town was lived, we lived in hell few work options that appealed to me. My partner had encouraged me to teach reading to the teenagers of the group home where he worked. Others had asked me to work at the community center with young adults and children, and there were other leads. I had always wanted to work with teens. I thought this might be an avenue. The next day after my morning meditation, I received a call. The teens at the group home were organizing a talent show, and they asked me to judge. It felt like a sign, and despite the busy holiday season, I accepted with an open mind and a willing heart. I opened the big book again. Another starred entry made me smile. We have found nothing incompatible between a powerful spiritual experience and a life of sane and happy usefulness. So we think cheerfulness and laughter make, use, make for usefulness. We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. The teens sang with their hearts and danced with inspiration. Family members in attendance applauded with appreciation at the talent on display, so I thought of something positive to say for each contestant. After the last note, the teens mingled with the audience. We announced the winner to loud applause, and I waited for it. I wadded forth, waited, wadded among the teens and praised the performances as many as I could. And they flushed with success and pride, and I felt uplifted. I do not know, yet, I do not yet know God's design for my work, nor need I until He guides me to it. All I need to do is pray that I do my part each day. In this way, each day, I turn my ongoing spiritual experience into a sane and happy usefulness among my fellow travelers. This is from Marie S. Nome, Alaska. Chapter 12 Highlights 
God's standards were intended for our good to merciful to mercifully meet his people's needs. But legalism abuses his laws. Following God's laws to the letter can easily violate the very reason that God gave them in the first place. God gave the Sabbath laws to protect his people from overwork. But the Pharisees applied this law so rigidly that the Sabbath became a day of rigorous self-denial, the opposite of what God intended. The Pharisees employed God's word for restrictive and enslaving purposes rather than for spiritual freedom and balance. In his mercy, God offered us recovery and hope instead of condemnation. If God had wanted to crush us with legalism, he would never have sent Jesus to die for us. He would have let us die for our sins. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 talks about this. A discussion about the Sabbath. At about the time Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath his disciples were hungry so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them but some Pharisees saw them do it and protested look, look your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath Jesus said to them haven't you read in the scriptures that David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple, but you should not have condemned my innocent disciples if you know the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In, chapters, in chapter 12, verses 17-21, centuries earlier the prophet Isaiah had described the Messiah in Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Matthew recognized how Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. This passage offers a powerful message of hope for those of us in recovery. Jesus the Messiah is both our servant and our leader. He is strong enough to lead and judge the nations yet tender enough to care for the weak and helpless. He is the world's hope for salvation and our hope for recovery. Verses 17-21 Jesus, God's chosen servant. But Jesus knew that they were what they were planning, so he left that area and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice for the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not 
not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of all the world. In verses 22 to 32 of chapter 12, Matthew, only God through Jesus Christ can offer us the power we need for recovery. If we look to any other source for help, our recovery will be limited at best. Secular, New Age, and even occult approaches, approaches to recovery are available. It is tragic that Christ-centered recovery is often doubted by many who need it the most. But it is even more tragic when people who find deliverance through Christ are later told that it is a lie. God's way of recovery is the way of Jesus Christ. Through Him we receive the power we need for recovery and restoration. Now verses 22 to 32 say, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will be so they will condemn you for what you have said. But I, if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his good? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In verses 43 to 45 of chapter 12, Matthew, incomplete recovery can leave a person worse off than before. To be rid of what afflicts us is only half the battle. Once we kick an addiction or dependency, there is a void in us that was once filled with our old behavior. We must fill that emptiness with God's spirit and godly attitudes and actions through prayer and reading God's word. Otherwise, new addictions or dependencies can move in and cause further problems in our lives. Verses 
verses 43 to 45. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, sweat, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Amen. Now me, I came into to AA by the courts. I had to go for a year. I'm Fernando. This is my testimony. And I got cleaned up coming once a week to AA with a court card. And once I, I made a choice and, and, uh, and I felt the holiness in the room, and once I was able to focus on God and see that God was doing things for me that I couldn't do for myself, I started to pay attention. I understood that God wanted me to stop drinking. God wanted me to, to, uh, to smell good, have money in my pocket, be well rested, have a good night's rest, be of service at work, and get this. Be, be content. Be content at work. Be content with the challenges before me. And be content with my life and myself. And be at peace. That's what I believe God wanted me to do. And about the ninth month, I realized that God wanted something else from me. He wanted something. He was asking me to do something. And that was for me to focus on Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And to really just to focus on the cross and say, yes, yes, yes. The fact is that, that his son was crucified on the cross, died, paid a big price. I mean, it was a sacrifice for God to do that. And I needed to accept that sacrifice and look at it and meditate and believe it and receive it into my heart as a fact as a true fact that I have the power to believe it so I believed it I just let it in it was that easy once I let it in another individual came to affirm for me to say it outward in the in the physical realm I guess I believed it in the spiritual realm I just knew God wanted something from me and he wanted me to stop listen and allow Jesus Christ to enter my heart completely so I will have the Holy Spirit inside me that will protect me from the evil sources that were coming back. My addiction wanted me back. My drinking, my, my anger, my resentment, my indifference to God. I was, uh, the devil was inside me making me believe that I can be my own God. I can even make my own money and coins and so that I needed my own land instead of accepting the beauty and the um, the establishment that God has already done through other godly people where I'm at love the one you're with love the God that's allowing purpose mercy and kindness and second chances to be evident so I said yes to Jesus. I didn't feel anything because I already had made a choice before 
I surrendered in the program. I knew that God wanted me, so I said, yes, yes, yes. It was a good spirit, and that was about 40 years ago, and it has to stop the accumulation of enthusiasm and joy, and I've changed. I changed from bitter, complaining, drinking, brawling, looking for fights, individual, to helpful, enjoying, enthusiastic, um, and interesting, happy individual. Sometimes I'm too spiritual for my sponsees and they move on. A little radical. Anyway, I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming in and listening to my testimony on how I received the Holy Spirit. Um, this Holy Spirit, I got prayed for when I received the Holy Spirit in fullness. I got prayed for and uh, I was going down the freeway and I hit a bump in my car and I started uh, singing and praising songs in the spirit and speaking in tongues uncontrollably. I can stop at any time, but it just flowed out like a beautiful thing that I would more and more into the things of uh, Holy Spirit and God. Let's go ahead and finish praying. Let's finish out with our prayer. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Good morning, March 10th, Fernando Alcoholic, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read from Proverbs chapter 10, because it spoke to me so much when I first came in, in Alcoholic Anonymous, it says, uh, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes his father happy, a foolish one makes his mother sad. Easy to read version. Verse 2. Wealth gained by doing wrong will not really help you, but doing right will save you from death. The Lord takes care of good people and gives them the food they need, but He keeps the wicked from getting what they want. Lazy hands will make you poor. Hardworking hands will make you rich. A son who works hard while it is harvest time, will be successful. But one who sleeps through the harvest is worthless. People say good things about those who live right, but the words of the wicked only hide their violent plans. Good people leave memories that bless us, but the wicked are soon forgotten. The wise accept instruction. But fools argue and bring trouble on themselves. The wise accept instruction. But fools argue and bring trouble on themselves. 
Honest people can always feel secure, but lying cheaters will be caught. If you fail to speak the truth, trouble will follow. If you speak openly, peace will come. The words of good people are like a spring of fresh water, but the words of the wicked only hide their violent plans. Hatred causes arguments, but love overlooks all wrongs. Intelligent people speak words of wisdom, but fools must be punished before they learn their lesson. Wise people are quiet. Uh, wait a minute. Intelligent, hatred, intelligent people speak words of wisdom, but fools must be punished before they learn their lesson. That was me. Wise people are quiet and learn new things, but fools talk and bring trouble on themselves. Wealth protects the rich, but poverty destroys the poor. What good people do brings life, but, but what wicked people produce only sin. Those who accept correction show others how to live. Those who reject correction leave others the wrong way. Some people, people sometimes lie to hide their hatred. Excuse me. But saying bad things about someone is even more foolish. A person who talks too much gets into trouble. A wise person learns to be quiet. Words from good people are like pure silver, but thoughts from the wicked are worthless. Good people say things that help others, but the wicked die from a lack of understanding. It is the Lord's blessing that brings wealth, and no hard work can add to it. Amen. Fools enjoy doing wrong, but the wise enjoy wisdom. The wicked will be defeated by what they fear, but good people will get what they want. Amen. The wicked are destroyed when trouble comes, but good people stand strong forever. Sending a lazy person to do anything is as irritating as vinegar on your teeth or smoke in your eyes. Respect for the Lord will add years to your life, but the wicked will have their lives cut short. What good people hope for brings happiness, but what the wicked hope for brings destruction. The Lord protects those who do right, but He destroys those who do wrong. Good people will always be safe, but the wicked will be forced out of the land. Those who live right say wise things, but people stop listening to troublemakers. Good people know the right things to say, but the wicked say things to make trouble. That is so true. That was Proverbs chapter 10 from the Easy to Read Version, King Solomon. Over 3,000 years ago, those were written. And they stand strong today for this recovering foolish alcoholic. That's me. Okay, now I'm going to read from the 24-hour Hazleton uh, little black book. You, uh, it was very popular when it first came out in AA. And it says, March 10. We also strengthen our faith by working with other alcoholics and finding that we can do nothing ourselves to help them except to tell them our own story of how we found the way out. If the other person is helped, it is by God's grace and not by what we do or say. 
Our own faith is strengthened when we see another alcoholic find sobriety by turning to God. And finally, we strengthen our faith by having quiet times every morning. Meditation for the day. My five senses are my means of communication with the material world. They are the links between my physical life and the material manifestations around me. But I must serve all connections severe, severe, sever, sever all my connections with the material world when I wish to hold communion with the great spirit of the universe, God. I have to hush my mind and bid all my senses and be still before I can become attuned to receiving the music of the heavenly spheres. <clears throat> Amen. Pray for the <clears throat> prayer for the day. I pray that I may get my spirit in tune with the spirit of the universe. God, I pray that through faith and communion with him, I may receive the strength I need. Amen. C.S. Lewis has a quote for today, and he says, Die before you die, there's no chance after C.S. Lewis. Die before you die, there's no chance after C.S. Lewis. In other words, get born again. Daily Reflection today says, Alcoholic Anonymous, our Daily Reflection, today it's my choice. We invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later places in a position to be hurt. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 62. With the realization and acceptance that I had played a part in the way my life had turned out came a dramatic change in my outlook. It was at this point that the AA program began to work for me. In the past, I had always blamed others, either God or other people, for my circumstances. I never felt that I had a choice in altering my life. My decisions had been based on fear, pride, or ego. As a result, those decisions led me down a path of self-destruction. Today, I try to allow my God to guide me on the road to sanity. I am responsible for my action or inaction, whatever the consequences may be. Alcoholic Anonymous, Daily Reflections. And I believe we have one more of today's reading. Um, we have Benjamin Franklin, of all people. Benjamin Franklin has 13 subjects. You're supposed to study this subject for this week. This week with moderation means avoid extreme forbear resentment injuries so much as you think they deserve. In other words, bite your tongue. That was the exercise for this week. And next week, starting Sunday, would be cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. Now, if you're familiar with Benjamin's 13 virtues, he said they're scientific. I believe that they're, uh, they, they go with the seasons. Every 13 weeks, you study one of them. And right now, on starting Sunday, is cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. We are just finishing up uh, moderation this week's, which, which was avoid extreme, forbear, resenting injuries so much as you think they may deserve. Amen. All righty. And um, I guess that's about it. So how about a...
a proverb, Proverb 12, 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsel of the wicked are deceit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's word. We thank you that through our AA fellowship, the thoughts of the righteous people, Lord, bring us to safety. Their counsel is your counsel. We listen for your words, Lord, in other people's lives. We thank you for directing us and making our thoughts your thoughts, your will, our will. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a blessing of a day. Today, in Jesus' name. Greetings. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Our story comes from the grapevine. It's called Faith in Full Flower. Faith in Full Flower. Now, this is a man talking about his wedding day. And, uh, and his granddaughter is, has cancer and is in the hospital. So they decided to tie the knot because they were uh, living together for 20 years. Or something like that. Let me read you the story, but I just wanted you to uh, not get lost. The husband is talking right now, okay? Yesterday was my wedding day. I have been in this relationship for 20 years now, and the decision to finally tie the knot was prompted by the rapid physical decline of my wife's 24-year-old granddaughter. She has cancer and is not expected to live more than a few weeks at best. The hastily planned ceremony was held in her hospital room with five generations of immediate family in attendance. A sorrow but good-natured cooperative social worker also got swept up in the celebration, and a camera was put in her hands to help record the event for posterity with its lights, moments, and poignant ones. The vows and rings were exchanged at the foot of the granddaughter's bed, and her young son got to participate as the ring bearer. At one point, he had to crawl under the bed to retrieve my ring, which my nervous bride had dropped before she could get it in my hand. After the ceremony, we served a simple cake purchased that morning and a couple of bottles of sparkling apple cider to toast the marriage. For the toast, I asked my granddaughter to offer a few words. She spoke of how she sometimes felt neglected and angry at Alcoholics Anonymous for all the time we spent at meetings when she was a child but was grateful we were sober. 
she also told us she was glad still to be alive to witness the wedding we had put off for so long. Somehow it didn't seem strange to anyone there that the wedding was not held in a church or a park or someone's backyard. It seemed perfectly natural to bring together a family for a joyful occasion, even in the midst of preparing for a season of grief. I tell you all this for a reason. Our book, Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions, states that well-grounded AAs seem to have the ability, by God's grace, to take these troubles in stride and turn them into demonstrations of faith. I am not certain if I have accepted the fact that our granddaughter is about to die, but for some strange reason, I am not afraid. She has a strong faith in God. Hopefully, as a result of watching us grow spiritually in Alcoholic Anonymous, I believe that if God ordains that her work is done, we should not try to keep her here. We need to show her that our willingness to accept him will to accept his will does not apply just to Monday things in life, but even to death of a loved one. When I was sober a year, my grandmother passed away and I did not handle it very well. I made some mistakes that have yet to be rectified and which cost me my relationship with my own mother. I now have many more years experience trying to practice these principles and so hope to do things very differently this time. This is from Butch M. from San Diego, California, 2003 Grapevine. Thank you, Butch. Epilogue. Everyone present agreed that our wedding day was our granddaughter's last good day. She passed from our sight and hearing six days later. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reading. Another story we got here is called Winners and Winers from 1994. Says, I love the diversity of our fellowship. I got sober in a small town, blessed with three meetings a day, and I have come to appreciate that there are many kinds of meetings the rough and rugged newcomer meetings, the philosophical middle sobriety ones, and the living in the solution old timer meetings. I can usually inventory my feelings and needs, then choose the meeting that's right for me. What some Sometimes happens, however, is that I can selfishly forget which meeting is the right one for service. I have three sober years now, and during the past summer, life was a breeze when life is easy. I usually assume it's God's way, and I'm quite spiritual. But when I am emotionally in trouble, I assume life's a drag and that God's gone fishing. What I have to figure out is that I can't figure anything out. That when life is a drag, I usually mean is not living in accordance with the truth that life has its ups and downs. The most difficult part of this phase of my development seemed to be my lack of compassion for my own physical and emotional hardship. I kick myself most when I am down. Last summer, everything was a snap. I had a terrific job. I was working through close friends with 
people in the program, and I was staying in sound physical shape. Then this winter, I injured my back, I lost my job, and I've been having a hard time connecting with people. I've been turning my woes over to God on a daily basis. I've been working the steps. I've been attending lots of meetings. I've been working with my sponsor and sponsoring two great fellows. And yet, I am still living in fear and having physical, spiritual, and emotional blues. The idea comes easily to me that I am not good enough or that I am not lovable or that I deserve misery. My life is so uncomfortable now that there seem no signs of change, and yet I know from those around me that the time takes time. My growth has always been slow and painful. I sometimes have to laugh when that phrase from the promise is read, sometimes quickly, but it helps me to remember that the phrase that follows is, they will always materialize if we work for them. What I notice most is that I am not drinking a miracle when I consider that people have gone out under similar circumstances and that I am talking about my feelings and I am well aware that alone I can't not solve my problems. But that with God and the fellowship, I can keep growing and living. So these days I go to all the meetings. I work with newcomers at the rough and tumble meetings to remember what it's like when I got here. I go to philosophical meetings because I need to hear how people are staying sober, and I go to the stay in the solution meeting because I need to celebrate my sobriety and give myself a break. There are winners and whiners, and sometimes I seem to embody both. I am, as my friends remind me, a human being. After three days, I'm finally arriving at the second half of the first step. My life is unmanageable. They say that if drinking won't bring you to your knees, sobriety will. But I want to, to avow that through it all, I am always reminded that it hasn't been that long. It just seems long. The fellowship of alcoholic numbers has never failed me. Gabby H. Port Towns, Washington. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. Give them heaven and see you at the next meeting. Bye.